You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey there, friends. Thanks for joining me for episode number 69 of Life Repurposed. I would like to introduce you to a new friend who I have been chatting with as we recorded this episode. I met her a little while ago when she was introduced to me as someone who would be a great endorser for my marriage book that I wrote with my husband. And so that was the first time we connected. And now I got to really know her a little bit. Dina Dyer is an award-winning author of 10 books and hundreds of articles, as well as a professional speaker and writing coach. But most important, she's the wife of a hilarious musician hubby and mom of two adult sons. She also has a very spoiled puppy, Sully, who keeps her company while she writes. Dina loves all things British, vintage and resale shopping, and spending time with her friends and family. Join me as we get to know Dina a little bit better today. Welcome to episode number 69 of Life Repurposed. This week, just like I said in the introduction, I have a guest with me, and I would like you to get to know Dina Dyer's story. So, Dina, welcome, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I am a wife and a mom, and I'm an author and speaker. I have two boys, age 16 and 22, and my husband's a worship pastor at our church. And then, of course, I have to talk about my dog, Sully. He's new in the family this year and given us a lot of fun during this crazy year. That is fun. I don't have a dog myself because I always said I wasn't home enough to take care of a dog. But this year, I have been home enough and probably could have had a dog. (laughs) What kind of dog is Sully? He is, uh, well, we're really not sure he's a rescue, but we think he's Aww. a Maltese and Shih Tzu mix. So, so he's fluffy. been really fun. At- yes, he is fluffy. <laughs> That's fun. We just have to talk about the dogs. I mentioned in the introduction that I met you for the first time when our mutual friend Kathy introduced us and you wrote an endorsement for the book that my husband and I had come out this year. And we're going to talk at the end of the show about your writing and your books. We're going to talk about one, but you have 10 and counting. Are you working on more right now? I am. I'm working on a book. It's interesting timing because I just left a job at a nonprofit this year. And so I've been working on a book called Weary Women of the Bible. And God gave me the idea several years ago, but I just had the bandwidth to work on it this year. And man, what a topic that God's timing is so incredible, and I've been learning a lot about how to find strength in weariness and looking at these different women. So, yeah, and then I just uh, work on articles here and there, blog posts, Mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah, this year has been really different because I just had a couple more speaking engagements cancel. You know, one by one as we move forward, we're tentatively hoping we're going to have them, and then we aren't able to. So it has been a different year for it's being home and yet I feel that weariness even though I'm home a lot. There's mm-hmm. weariness on so many levels. So I can see how that's a topic that is very needed right now. So do you have a home for it? Do you know where it's going to be published or not yet? We, it's out with 
my agent and it's being shopped around. We have some interest. So hopefully we'll see in the Yay. next few months um, what happens. But I definitely want to write it whether or not we get a traditional publishing yeah. contract. Yeah. Yeah. I've gone the non-traditional route myself. So I want to talk about what God has done in your life. This is Life Repurpose. So we talk about how God turns things around, changes us, changes circumstances, how we walk through difficult experiences. And I would like to know if there's a time in your life where you felt really alone and felt like God was distant from you. Definitely. I grew up in a complicated home. Uh, My dad was a minister on the weekends at a church, but he struggled a lot with anger and depression and took it out um, with anger at our family. And so I grew up really wanting to please and try to keep the peace. That's just my personality. I became a perfectionist and an overachiever. So when I got in my late 20s and started having children, that was a whole nother level of opportunity (laughs) to be a perfectionist. And I really struggled emotionally. And after my oldest, who's 22, was born, I really tanked into bad postpartum depression. God felt very distant. He felt like he wasn't answering my prayers, even though I know he was hearing me. And i became very hopeless. As someone who's a perfectionist and an achiever myself, I can relate to that idea of being having no control over a circumstance that you wish you could get to go the way you wanted it to go. So you bring a little tiny baby home from the hospital and along with all of the needs, <laughs> mom's hormones are raging And so um, in that time, did you have friends or family or anybody that you could reach out to? Or were you like physically distant in location from where your family lived? We lived eight hours from my parents and 10 hours from my husband's parents. And I did not reach. Yes, I had a church family, but I didn't reach out. I was very ashamed Mm. of being depressed. I was ashamed I couldn't get it together. I thought, even though now looking back, Jordan was a tough baby. He didn't like to sleep. He didn't, he wouldn't nurse that. I thought, oh, I'm doing something wrong here. And like you said, my hormones are raging. And when I didn't sleep, got more depressed. So I had friends that would have helped, but I didn't reach out. Mm. But I did talk to my husband. I had been in some counseling before that. And one night I was driving to a scrapbook evening. We used to do creative memories and do scrapbooks. I had my son in the back in his car seat and I drove towards the house I was going to. And it was across the lake. And I had this thought, I'm going to just drive off into the lake. Well, that scared me so bad. I pulled over, started sobbing, called my husband. I said, I need help. And he's always been in incredibly supportive, very loving, even though he hasn't always understood. And uh, I called my doctor as soon as he was open the next day, got in and went back to counseling, got on some medication and began to unravel why I was depressed. It wasn't just physical. It was emotional, spiritual, mental. It was all of it. it. Took a long time, but I'm so thankful for doctors and medicine and counselors that were biblically based 
to help me crawl out of this hole that it had swallowed me. I'd like to talk about that a little bit about that feeling that we have that we can't tell other people because I know when I had a difficult baby my second one was very colicky and I remember feeling really discouraged like I can't I must be a terrible mother because I can't figure out what he needs I I couldn't nurse either and he didn't want formula and he didn't want to sleep and so I felt like a, a terrible mom and then I would go to the mothers of preschoolers group and try to suck it up and put on a good face like motherhood is all happy because they all seemed super happy. And I remember the first time like admitting that this was hard for me. And I even get teared up now thinking about it because I broke down at the table and sobbed in front of these other mothers. And then they were sort of awkward. Like, I don't know what to say. They were, they were supportive, but I think that people just don't know what to say. What do you think is something that someone could say to somebody who's finally admitting that I'm struggling here? Well, I think it's important when someone reaches out like that to not shut them down with platitudes or Bible verses. (laughs) Even though verses are great, Bible was one of the ways I healed. But I think just to say, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. How can I help? Mm-hmm. that's enough right there. Or do you need to talk about it? Can we get coffee? Um, being there, the presence that's non-judgmental and is going to be supportive is so important because when you're in postpartum depression or any kind of depression, you feel isolated, mm-hmm. and alone, and as if no one will ever understand. Satan uses that to then further isolate us. So he can lie to us more so that we get more desperate and more depressed. And ultimately, you have people. I I was never one who cut or tried suicide. I know other people have. And I can definitely see how they get there. Because when you feel that desperate, you feel as if it's never going to change and you're Mm -hmm. never going to be happy. And there's this blackness in this cloud. The best way I know how to describe what the medicine did for me is that the gray cloud began to lift so that I could see hope. Mm -hmm. It got me back to a level playing ground with other people. And then I did the hard work with the counselor, my husband's support of unraveling all the things I've been thinking that weren't true, putting pressure on myself to be someone I didn't have to be. Yeah. I think for me, some of what I experienced with the two boys was Uh, I feel like it came back to me again later when one of my sons experienced anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder and had to see a counselor go on medication. And I remember even then thinking it must be because I struggled with being, I'm not a baby person. (laughs) And so I was like, I maybe didn't do all the things right when they were babies. Maybe they didn't feel secure. And again, I had to go through dealing with that perfectionist mom guilt of, you know, this is just part of his story, too. It isn't that I did something wrong in (laughs) tracing it all the way back. Sometimes, though, something from our past does come up. And you've mentioned that where you went through some counseling and um, you discovered something from your past. And we don't need to talk about that here. But I think it's important to know that sometimes there is something hard that we've gone through that makes it even harder to go through the next thing. So how did you 
How did you make that connection that it was more than just postpartum depression? Well, as I said, I had done a little bit of counseling before I had my son, and I knew that there was still work to be done. The first time I remember realizing that I had issues from my past and things that had formed me and formed some bad habits was when I was reading a book. I love books because you can just reach out to people all around the world. I was reading a book and there was a scene in it that mirrored something that had happened to me almost exactly. And I remember starting, just light bulb went off. And the book was about, you know, recovering from abuse. And I'd never thought of anything I'd been through as abuse, but there was an element of that. Mm -hmm. And my family and I, we get along great. We have healthy relationships, but it's been a long time getting there. So we've all had our different paths to walk. And my, my dad's done a lot of work. My mother and my brother have done a lot of work. But when I realized, oh my gosh, that is why I'm struggling now. It was just this moment of, I need to have help to get through this and to work, work around it because I don't know how to go to the next step and then the next and the next. Mm-hmm. That's why I love podcasting and I love writing because our stories aren't really about us. They're really about other people. So it might be that somebody else is listening to your story today who says, this is a light bulb moment for me. I'm not alone. I can step forward and get help. It's that way with, you've written marriage books. My husband and I have a book. It's that way with that too, where you see another couple who's real and says, we've struggled with this as well. And so it's okay for us to admit that life isn't all perfect, even though us perfectionists would like people to believe that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And in the church sometimes, honestly, Michelle, I think for some reason, we think we have to have it together at church. And I think sometimes as church people, we don't allow our realness to show through. And I think if we did, although my church is not like that, we have a pastor that's very real and authentic and has shared his struggles from the pulpit. I think that's what has brought people to our church more than anything Mm -hmm. because they feel safe. So I would encourage people to find a friend, even one friend you can be real with, but always know that God is not surprised by your brokenness. Yes. The counselor that made the most difference to me had said, Dina, do you think God's not big enough to handle your pain? And I said, oh, I guess I don't. I was not wanting to go to him, cry out to him, throw myself at his feet. I was thinking I had to get all fixed up. Mm -hmm. But that's what Jesus did on the cross. He did that for us so that we could approach God. God already knows what we're feeling. The Psalms show that he loves an honest heart. He loves people to tell them, tell them what they're going through and what they're feeling. That's, we have a relationship. It's two way, you know? Yes. So let's talk about that as we move into talking about what a repurposed life is like. And actually, I saw in your bio that you love vintage and resale shopping. So you really get this concept of why I love the before and after. But let's talk about how you found some hope in the midst of your struggle. You've started to talk about that. Let's go into that a little bit more. The thing that made the biggest difference for me and still makes the biggest difference is scripture. Uh, besides the medicine, which I'm a big fan of making sure nothing else is going on physically before you try to heal emotionally, because I think sometimes the thyroid problems, there's all different things. And I had that as well. 
But when my counselor started showing me, here's some lies that you're telling, that you're believing. And there was a book called the search for significance that I went through and I went through a support group with that as well in my church. I began to unravel those and say, Oh, wait a minute. That isn't scriptural such as I have to be perfect. God will never love me if I don't blank. So I would take those. And whenever she taught me that whenever I started thinking one of those things, I needed to replace it with the scripture that said the truth. Mm -hmm. And even I started writing scriptures on index cards and I would put them above the changing table when I would, I could see it when I was changing diapers, I put them on the dash of my car. I put them in a post-it note on my computer by the sink when I was doing dishes, just immersing myself in the truth of scripture healed me more than anything else. And so I'm passionate about teaching the word, studying the word and helping other women see that everything we need for our relationships, our marriages, and our healing and our freedom is in the scriptures. Yeah, sometimes when I was struggling, especially with the young babies, I didn't always turn to the word itself. Maybe sometimes it was just that it was just too raw. And so I would turn on worship music and crank it up because I knew that the words of scripture were in that. And so I would just dance around the living room holding a crying baby and, you know, just listen to the words over and over. Sometimes it was going out and sitting in my minivan and leaving the kids in the house with my husband and cranking up the radio out there to listen to songs just because I needed that. You've talked about scripture. There's a difference, and we've mentioned both, and I'd really like to be clear on that because when someone is struggling, we often want to apply scripture in a way of saying, well, God's word says, and we even misapply it by changing things to say he will never give you more than you can handle and things like that. But what's the difference between you finding how to apply scripture versus somebody saying a should along with it? That's a great question. The difference, well, I'll just speak personally. The difference for me was when somebody would say, oh, well, everything happens for a reason. It felt like they were shutting me down. Yes, that's in scripture, but you're not empathizing with me and my situation. Whereas if I go to scripture, the Holy Spirit uses it because it's living and active and he applies it as only he can. So I think one of the things that really helped me in my marriage was one time a mentor said to me, you can't be your husband's Holy Spirit. We can't be another person's Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean we can never quote scripture. I think it's just, we need to be careful when someone's suffering to first be empathetic, to first care for them instead of prescribing how they should heal and how they should feel because we're all going to deal with suffering differently and suffering does not make you bad. It makes you human. When we pull out scripture, I've done it too. I've been guilty. I would pull out scripture almost like a bandaid to put on somebody's wound. It's almost as if we're shaming him. For having the wound. Yeah. That's why when I think about a repurposed life, I want to be really clear that it isn't that we just 
throw the idea out there. That, oh, there must be a purpose in it because that's a really flippant way of handling pain. It's more of a process. And for me, when I redo something, you know, I refinish something, it's a process of restoring a piece of furniture or something like that. And it's a layer by layer kind of a thing. And not that we're looking for the purpose in it necessarily, but knowing that somehow in the middle of it, there's going to be something that's beautiful and it only can be revealed through God's power. So our before and after story is that idea of, you know, people looking at our story and saying, well, only God could have done that. Yes. Oh, that's so true. How has God changed you even in the last five, 10, 15 years? Because your boys are almost both grown up now. I know. I can't believe it. God has changed me in so many ways. And sometimes I've not worked with him on that. I'll be honest. (laughs) That seasons, I've been very stubborn and he's had to teach me things over and over again. So God has really reworked me from the inside out. And I'm very grateful. I do sometimes fight him on that. I can be very stubborn, but I'll just say, for instance, a situation I had not long ago where someone hurt me deeply. Used to be I would have held a grudge. It would have taken me years to get over that. But this time I saw the difference that God had made in me and the Holy Spirit had made in me because almost immediately I prayed to not be bitter. And I prayed for that person, asked God to help me forgive. And I'm not saying I've totally gotten over it, but I think he's made me more more empathetic for sure because suffering will make you empathetic. Less perfectionistic because it's not even achievable. And he's made me more dependent on him because I have two autoimmune diseases. And while that's not fun, it does keep me dependent on God. And then more joyful because I'm not constantly comparing myself to an unreasonable standard. I'm curious to know how you found joy and enjoyment in motherhood from that point where you were experiencing the postpartum depression through the growing up years. Did Was it a gradual discovery or did you find it as soon as you got help and hope when they were little? It was gradual that I became more joyful and more patient and with myself as well as them. Like you, I wasn't a real baby person. I'd never babysat. But my kids, okay, my husband, one of the reasons I was drawn to him is he is hilarious. If you ever follow him on Facebook, he he just is funny. So that, he would keep me laughing even when I was having hard times. And my boys both inherited a great sense of humor. We've always had that in our family. That helped too, healing Those hurt parts of me happen, like I said, with a variety of ways, but humor has always been part of my journey because I have this funny family. So gradually and um, in spurts here and there, I became so grateful for the boys. And as they grew up, I started seeing they would teach me, you know, how kids do that. They would teach me things and make me sit back in awe that God had entrusted these amazing kids to me. It's fun now that my boys are older too, to experience some of that. Their true humor comes out. My husband is sarcastically funny. And sometimes 
it annoys me at first and then I know that it's what I need. It just takes me a little while to come around to knowing that's what I need just because it's not always appropriate to be funny in some situations. <laughs> but it exactly. helps. <laughs> yes. My husband's not sarcastic, but yeah, he can be definitely funny at inappropriate moments. So like, cool it, cool it. <laughs> How has it been for you with the journey through anxiety? Is that something that has been ongoing or was that also a shorter time of your life? I had panic attacks after I had my son and those dissipated as I began to have medicine and treatment, counseling and all that. But honestly, this last year, Michelle, I started struggling with it again. I think it was a combination of getting older and my hormones changing, but also this year has been nuts. Mm -hmm. And I think anxiety is at an epidemic level right now. So I turned to those tools that I know, like you said, worship music. I listen to a lot of worship music. I read the Psalms Mm -hmm. and pray, ask people. Now I'm so unafraid and unashamed to ask people to help. The first thing I do when something have a crisis, I have some lovely friends that I just text and my mom is a great prayer warrior and I'll just text and pray for me today. I'm struggling. I'm having a bad pain, pain day with my fibromyalgia. And so I think God has changed me in that way too, that I'm not afraid to reach out and that helps a lot. Yeah. I, instead of someone else asking us if we're okay, I mean, cause sometimes they can see it on our face and just mm-hmm. saying, no, I'm fine. To get to that vulnerable place of being able to say, yeah, I truly do need, I, even if it's just a conversation, I need something right now. Like, stay yes. on the line with me. <laughs> just keep talking with me. Yes. So wise. Yeah. So as I think about your story, I know you've written about some of it. So I'd love to have you tell us a little bit about your book, Wounded Women of the Bible, Finding Hope When Life Hurts. That was definitely a passion project for my author, Tina Samples, and I. The book features about 24 women in the Bible who were wounded. This was a concept God gave Tina. She and I had been friends for years and had always wanted to write together and prayed for that. And when she told me the idea, I said, oh, my goodness, why has nobody done this before? So she wrote the biblical portions, and then I interviewed a lot of women who had similar wounds to those women in the Bible. And I also put in my own story. Tina put in some of her story and we wove that together. There's also a discussion group, uh, discussion questions and journaling prompts for personal use. So we've had quite a few groups go through it as a Bible study, but it was something God worked on me a lot during that book and healed me of some things in my marriage that had been unhealed. We had gone through some hard times right before writing that. So thankfully God does that, but it's also, you know, get to start a book project. You think, oh no, God's going to work on me so much on this issue. He does. Every time we write about something, he does. Mm -hmm. What are some of the wounds that you talk about in there? We talk about infertility with Hannah and Sarah. We talk about um, bitterness with Ruth and Naomi, and how we deal with suffering. We talk about letting go of our kids with Jochebed 
and we talk about feeling unseen or unloved with Hagar. That was my favorite chapter. I think women of today can relate to those women of the Bible. I have a feeling there are a lot of listeners that would have some wounds and would find comfort in knowing that even in the Bible, there are women who experience the things that they're going through. I would hope so. It it was comforting to me. And even as I study for this newer book, you know, the Bible's timeless. And one of the things I realized I was studying Jacob and Leah and Rachel is like a soap opera. <laughs> it's a little bit. <laughs> it's like a reality show, you know, God, God put those people in the Bible because he wanted us to know that, you know, he can use anyone. He can use and heal anyone. And he's the main star of the show in all of those stories. He's the one that provides the, the strength and the blessing and the courage. So as you think about that, the wounded women in the Bible, wounded women of today, what is a message that you want to leave with the women who are listening today? Just that God sees you. He loves you. The story of Hagar encourages me so much because she was abandoned and mistreated, and she actually went to the desert twice once with the child and once with that. She thought she was going to die. She thought her baby was going to die. But God provided for her in miraculous ways. And she was the only woman in scripture to actually give God a name. That name was Elroy, and it means the one who sees me. You are seen, you are loved, and you are cared for in ways you cannot imagine. So fall on him. Don't be afraid to give your wounds and your weariness to him because he wants to heal you and to be your strength. That gave me chills as you were saying that. You can find Dina's book on the show notes for this episode at michellerayburn.com slash 69. But I would also like people to be able to find you online. So where can people find you and interact with you, Dina? I'm mostly on Instagram and Facebook these days. And my Instagram profile is just under Dina Dyer, D-E-N-A-D-Y-E-R. And actually, I have a free book for moms you can get by going there. It's just a devotional book that I wrote when my, my second son was little. And it was encouraging for moms, a lot of humor in there. And then Facebook is Dina Dyer Author. All right, I'll make sure that I link to those in the show notes too. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your story with my listeners today, Dina. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I really feel honored. What an amazing story Dina has. I am so glad that we had her on the show today. If you are looking for more encouragement, I'm going to have a link in the show notes to the Facebook group we have just started a few weeks ago called Life Repurposed. I'll be asking some questions there, and it's going to be a place where you can interact as well. You can get to know other people in the community, and you can also participate in discussion questions and learn more about other things that are coming with Life Repurposed. So be sure to check out the Facebook group and interact with us there. Thank you for joining me this week. I have another guest coming up soon. I'm recording several interviews this week, but I will be back next week with a solo episode, and I'm looking forward to seeing you then. Have a great day. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. 
I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening. 